Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. I want to say some words that we heard today in Scripture and then go from there. So, we hear the word face, son, woman, born, hearts, infant, womb, and circumcision. All incredibly human words. We would never speak of the womb of an angel. And we never would speak of an infant when speaking normally of God. These aren't spiritual words. These are very human words. And it's really important that we recognize this because all of Scripture is trying to reveal to us and convey to us God's vision on human realities. God's vision on human realities. He's not looking for you and I to escape from our humanness. He's not looking for you and I to get to quote-unquote some spiritual place. In fact, according to the modern use of the word spiritual, the Bible would not be spiritual at all. But rather, God and our faith, known as Christianity, is always about what is authentically human. What is most truly human. What is noble of men and women. That's what our faith is always about. We are not about escaping our humanity or this world or our bodies or anything like that in order to be with God. But rather, he's always drawing us back into our human experience and in a deeper way in our human experience so that he can show us what his heart is for us right there. Let's begin. God, the Trinity, is fully happy. He doesn't lack anything. He's not needy. He's not bored. But he creates everything out of a great freedom. Out of a great love saying, I want to make creatures be able to share in my own joy and happiness. So he makes everything. And then the only creature he enters into covenant or friendship or relationship with is when he creates man, male and female, and puts him in the garden of paradise. He creates humanity. He creates this world. And he says it's very good. He's in love with it. Then when the enemy lies to Adam and Eve and they sin, God does not delete the whole thing. He says, well, they messed it all up. I'm done with them. He doesn't swipe left or hit Control-Alt-Delete. No, what he does is he continues to speak into the human experience. Now there's suffering, now there's death, but he doesn't abandon human beings. He doubles down and says, I am with you in it. And he continues to speak words of promise, words of hope, and he fathers the man and the woman, and then he turns him into a whole nation known as Israel. And what's amazing is when God speaks to Israel, he's not speaking to him of some sort of spiritual realities. 
More so than not, when God speaks to Israel, he's speaking to of things like politics, corruption, injustice, food, famine, refugees, lies, adultery, sexuality, offspring, work, human realities. And as it continues, then in the fullness of time, it says in our second reading, when the fullness of time had come, meaning this is why everything exists, God comes into this world as one of us. Fully God and fully man. He takes on flesh and enters into the human condition. He will not heal us, redeem us, and save us by taking out of the human condition, but by meeting us in it and helping us to work through the human condition. That's how he redeems, heals, saves, and transforms us. And this is why it's so beautiful on today's feast day, Mary the mother of God, we celebrate that God is born of a woman. To honor Pope Benedict, I'd like to quote him. He was a brilliant theologian and he was addressing all the theologians of Germany and he said, please have a devotion to Mary. She will protect you from reducing Jesus to an abstraction and an idea. A mom has a way of reminding us of the person of Jesus. That he has a human face and a human heart and I could add a human body. And then when he continues to convey and grow in miracles, what does Jesus do? He works with his human hands. He speaks with his human voice. He looks at people with human eyes. He loves with the human heart. He thinks with the human mind. All in union with his divine mystery, of course. But it's in, through, and conveying what is human. And then he dies and rises to show us of the resurrection of the human body. So once again, it's what is most human. It's hard to imagine a word that captures it more powerfully than the word in our gospel. Circumcision. There's not many more words out there that get right to the heart of the matter. That his body, his humanity matters so much for the Bible that that event and that word is in there. It's the first time Jesus shed blood to save his people. It's the humanity of Jesus that saves our humanity. Notice how different this is than how often we think about the quote-unquote spiritual life. Oftentimes in my pastoral work as a priest, when I've met with people about their prayer life, they're saying, you know, they'll meet with me and talk for like 20 minutes about some real struggles or pains, things going on in their life. And then I'll say, well, what's your prayer life like? I pray every day, Father. I said, well, what's it like? And it's just saying prayer. And I said, well, do you think anything you told me you want to share with Jesus? See, they wall off their humanity in the name of being religious. Well, that's my human life. Over here's my spiritual life. And i got to be honest, I don't know how much Jesus is in the spiritual life understood in that way. But I know for sure he's passionate, he cares about, and he wants to meet us in our human life. 
Today in the feast day of Mary, Mother of God, what we talk about is that God became flesh. He became a fact in this world. Today, the sun that you look at outside that's giving us light, that's the same sun that shined on the skin of Jesus Christ. At night when the moon comes out, that's the same moon that Jesus looked at at night when he was walking in the hills of Galilee. We could get on a plane and go to the Holy Land and see the rivers and the lakes and the seas and the hills and the mountains that he walked on. This is the world that he's at work in. This is the place he's at. And one of the biggest struggles in the church is God became flesh. He became embodied and we constantly relate to him in a disembodied way. He wants to speak to you as a woman in the 21st century. And he wants to speak to you as a man in the 21st century. He wants to talk to you about your work, about your love life, about your dreams, about your taxes, about your home, about your friends, about your in-laws, about what Christmas was like for you, about the family members who've died, about the aches and pains in your body, about all the stress and confusion in politics. He's adamantly interested in all of it because it's human. And he is human. And then when he died and rose, he didn't shed our humanity. He took it into even greater glory so that the message would be, if you stay close to me, I will bring your humanity into becoming fully alive. When we die and rise and all is at last finished, there's a resurrection of the body which means you are a woman for all of eternity and you are a man for all of eternity. That's what the resurrection of the body means. So how does this happen? If he became a fact in this world, a physical presence, where does that happen? Particularly in the Eucharist. Where you began 2023 coming here to celebrate and receive the Word made flesh under the appearance of bread and wine, and he meets us here. Where is God in Brecksville, Ohio? Well, in one sense, everywhere, of course. But according to the biblical worldview, it's where he's being made physically present. And where is that? Right here on this altar. And I guess technically St. Joe's Byzantine as well. But just forget that for a second. <laughs> Not forget them, but just for my point. Okay, great. He will become flesh. And in a little bit, you'll come up and a Eucharistic minister will say, the body of Christ. They don't say, let us together think holy thoughts. They don't say, and pious feelings to you. And you say, oh, and pious feelings to you as well. We don't do that as our faith because we don't believe in that. We believe that the Word became flesh and sent his Holy Spirit upon the church, making it the body of Christ, so that men and women who unite themselves to the flesh of Jesus in the Eucharist can have the hope of being united with him in the resurrection of the flesh. And all of our human realities can be bathed in the same life, love, and encouragement of the Father. So what helps us stay embodied? What helps us stay rooted? is that every year, January 1st, is the feast day of Mary, Mother of God. Ask any mom. Their child is not an abstraction or an idea. Moms have an amazing gift to where their hearts 
know the personhood, the uniqueness, the unrepeatableness of their children. They know how concrete and real their child is. This is why oftentimes wives will have to say to their husband, is that how you want to talk to your son? Is that, why you want, is that how you want to talk to your daughter? Because men, it doesn't come as quickly to us. So Mary can remind us of the embodiment of our God, the concreteness of Jesus, so that we don't reduce him to an idea and make our faith about thinking holy thoughts. Our faith is never about human thoughts. Our faith is always about an encounter with the person, Jesus Christ, who is alive and well because he rose from the dead. He loves you a lot, and he wants to walk with you on your human life. And that's how we begin our new year, with Emmanuel, God with us.